Let's pull out our Bibles. Let's go to the book of Proverbs. We just have a few minutes here to talk about how do we cultivate meaningful friendships? How do we cultivate meaningful friendships? We've been on a series in the book of Proverbs over the past several weeks. We're actually going to be in this book for probably another five to six weeks. It's going to take us all the way into mid-August, and then we're going to start a series on the book of Galatians. But today, our topic here in the book of Proverbs is how do I cultivate friendships? Let's commit this to the Lord. Father, we ask today for the help of the Holy Spirit. We ask today for the comfort and the counsel and even the correction and conviction of the Holy Spirit. We ask, O God, that you would bring encouragement and life to every single one of us as we submit our hearts to the scriptures. We pray, O God, that you would speak and that you would give us grace to respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So for the sake of time, I'm going to just dive right in, all right, without a lot of setup, a lot of preliminary talk about why friendships matter and studies on loneliness and, you know, the, the, the bane of social media. I'm going to skip all of that, right? And let's just dive right in. All right, so number one, how do we cultivate meaningful friendships? Number one, you have to choose your friends. You have to recognize and realize that friendship is a volitional choice, right? And I say this per- particularly for some of the younger folks in the crowd. So let me just talk to maybe 30 and below, maybe even like 18 and below. I've noticed in the course of 20 years of pastoral ministry, and I've noticed in the course of even in my life, that if we're not careful, that we can make our friendship something that is so passive that we end up actually becoming a victim of friendships. And what I mean by that is saying, like, we kind of just fall into friendship without any thought, without any deliberation, or without any real intention. Let's look at uh, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 24. Proverbs 22, 24 says, do not make friends. Stop, real quick. If the scripture is telling you not to make friends, it's telling you that you have a choice in who you make friends with, right? And a lot of us may find ourselves in some toxic friendships and we find ourselves, you know, ensnared and trapped and we find ourselves saying things like, well, well, I, I can't get out of this. No, no, no. You are empowered to make choices on who you become friends with. Like we may stumble into acquaintances that center around common uh, interests or common activities, but acquaintances are not friendships. Okay. Now, I play basketball with a group of guys, sometimes twice a week, sometimes once a month, depending on you know, how, how my 43-year-old body is handling injuries. But you know, I, I, I play basketball with a group of guys, and I love those guys. I, I, I feel deeply connected on some level around the sport of basketball. We are acquaintances, but not all of the guys that are on that court are my friends. So you have to know who your friends are. And you have to recognize that you have a choice in the matter. Let's keep reading the scripture. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one that is easily angered, or you may learn their way. Here's something that you have to know about friendship, is that proximity and presence are two of the most powerful forces that influence your life. To say this more simply, the more you spend time with someone, the more you catch what is on them. Right? All the young folks, are you catching that? 
right? So like back in my day, it used to be like, hey, don't fall into peer pressure. More simply, whoever you spend the majority of your time with on social media, on Marco Polo, hanging out, you know, in time together, you are just inevitably going to catch their attitudes. You're going to catch behavior patterns. You might even find yourself like catching and copying and mimicking even like the way they do things, the things that are important to them, their values, they begin to shape your life. And here's the big idea, you guys, listen, you are not, you are not a passive victim to who influences you, right? You choose, be the gatekeeper of who influences your life, right? And be aggressively vigilant about who influences your life. Not everybody that comes into your life is for your good. And not everybody who comes into your life is from God. And not everybody who is in your life or around your life loves you and wants what's best for you. Okay? And not everyone who's around your life is going to give life to you. Let's take a look right here at Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Proverbs 13, 20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Look at that word, a companion of fools. Now, at at some point in the journey, you have to realize there is a fine line between being committed and actually being complicit. What do I mean by that? At some point, if someone or some group of people are negatively influencing your life at a certain part of that journey, you're no longer just being committed. You're actually being complicit to the negative influence that they have on you. Okay, so friendship's a choice. Like we have a say in the matter. Number two, classify the friendship. Now, here's the secret little tool that I have in the back of my pocket that that I, I'll go ahead and show my cards. I actually cheated on this sermon. Uh, I sent a text and an email out to a handful of friends. Some of these guys I've known for two years and some of these guys I've known for 26 years. And I just asked them, I said, tell me what the top three lessons that you would share with me on how to cultivate meaningful relationships. And guys, I could write a book. Maybe I, maybe I will, maybe I should. Maybe I should write a book because the things that these guys had sent in were so deep and so rich and so meaningful. And one of the guys said, you have to classify your friend. You have to, see, when we classify friendships, we're making a distinguishing, differentiating mark. In other words, we're saying you're no longer just a stranger. You're no longer just an acquaintance. I am putting you in a special category called friendship. Now, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but Jesus did this with his disciples. In John chapter 15, right before Jesus lays his life down and dies on a cross and is resurrected and ascended into heaven, he, he says to these guys that he's been training in the role of a teacher and a mentor for about three years. He says, no longer do I call you servants. You're not just students anymore. That we have evolved and matured in our relationship to the place of friendship. Right? Which tells me that friendships take time. 
right? See, if you're anything like me, I was an only kid growing up and every person that I met, I wanted them to be my, my best friend and I wanted to go deep and I wanted to go fast and I wanted to be rich and meaningful. And people are like, dude, you're like, you're suffocating me, bro. Like this is too much, too fast. And part of that, it was just circumstantial. Like I just grew up as a lonely, you know, lonely single child. But friendships take time to develop. But I think that there has to come a place where you have to DTR that thing, right? You've, you've got to define the relationship. One of the things that I've noticed is that when there's a breakdown, don't put DTR in there. When, <laughs> one of the things that, when there's a breakdown in relationship, it happens because there's a breakdown in expectation. Like one person sees the relationship as you are my, you are my soulmate friend. And the other's like, dude, like we, I like, we hang out, we, you know, we watch sports games and, and that's all I've got. And so, and if we're not defining that relationship, it's going to cause a lot of trouble. So when we classify the friendship, it allows us to put the person and the relationship in the right perspective. This is all from a friend. This is not my stuff. This friend is not just an acquaintance, not a familiar face. This friend has entered into a space of exclusivity. They are my friend, right? And I would encourage you, define what friendship means to you. Because what you will find is that every single one of us have different definitions, and we have different values and different expectations on what a friend is is. And your expectations are connected to your definition of friendship. So if you haven't done the work to define what friendship is, you're probably going to be operating with a lot of expectations that are going to get unmet. And if we're not handling unmet expectations well, you're going to find yourself not having a lot of friends because you're going to be, you're going to end up feeling hurt and offended and rejected pretty consistently. Here's what another friend wrote. He goes, understand why you're friends? Is it simply due to proximity? Like, are we friends just because we happen to inhabit the same space? In other words, if we're not on the same team, if we're not on the same league, if we're not in the same neighborhood, if we're not on the same staff, does that put an end to the friendship? Were we just friends out of convenience? Are, are we friends because there's something in you or about you or about your companionship that's feeding something broken or needy in my life. You have to understand why we are friends. So there's different types and there's different tiers of friendships, right? And this can get a little confusing in the church. And unfortunately, we don't have the time to delve deep into this, but I, I do think it's worthy of us keeping in front of us in the years to come because I think what happens is, is in the church, we're all bound together by a common faith in Christ and and I think that we all assume that we're friends. But all of us in this room, we're not friends. We're brothers and sisters in Christ by what God has done for us. But friendship is, a, it is an intentional decision to move towards someone in a place of continuing degrees of intimacy, Right? It is an intentional decision to move into greater degrees of intimacy or greater degrees of trust or greater degrees of commitment. And again, remember that takes time and it takes work. So every single one of us have different types of friends. There are friends that I spend time with that they enrich me deeply spiritually. But man, like they can't crack a joke to save their life, <laughs> right? It's just true. 
Um, there are friends that I have a great time with, and these are the guys I play ball with or we watch sports with, but man, they can't have a meaningful conversation to save their life, right? Different kinds of friends, right? St- very valuable because, because we're holistic people. We need all of that. Now, when you find someone who's got the whole package and they're like everything, man, like I'm being stimulated intellectually and I'm feeling like there's a great soul connection and you're, you're prompting me spiritually and we laugh at all the same stuff, man, that's a, that's a rare jewel. Like take care of that, okay? All right, um, next thought here is we have to not only choose our friends, we have to not only classify our definitions and our expectations, but here's where the work comes. We have to cultivate the friendship. Has anybody caught on to that? These are all C's yet. Has anybody caught that? That just makes me, that just makes me so happy. Thank you. Yes, Val. Yes. They're all, the last one's a C too, by the way. It's a, we've got to cultivate the friendship. All right. We have to till the soil. We have to work the ground. We have to pull up the weeds. We have to prune the branches. We have to water. We have to, we have to give attention to, right? To cultivate the friendship means that we have to be intentional. Proverbs chapter 17. Proverbs 17 verse 17 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Like there are some friends that I have in my life and they're probably more so acquaintances. And by the way, you really find out who your friends are when you touch adversity. You find out who your friends are when you know, you lose everything or you lose your status or you lose your position or you get into a car accident or, or, you, or, or you don't have the amount of money to pay for all the big meals anymore. I mean, when you hit adversity, you find out who's really there, who really cares for you, who's really going to press in and lean in. That's when friendship is revealed. And that being said, listen, I, I don't mind a little conflict in my friendships. Because what I have found is that the friendships that have not yet hit conflict, I'm not really sure if we're in the friendship zone yet, right? We might, we might just be still in the acquaintance zone, and it's, it's only until we take the courage and the risk to say hard things to each other, and we come out on the other side of that stronger, it's only when we hit that place do I know, okay, you are a brother that is born for adversity, you are, you, you are now differentiated as a friend of Jay Duncan. I remember when I was uh, just starting out in ministry, this had to be almost 18 to 19 years ago, maybe even solid 20. And I had just joined the staff and there was this language that was in this church that, that it was very important to me. But I remember I was in a staff meeting and a particular uh, staff member stepped up and he said, he goes, we are all in covenant with each other. He says, so, so we have to be in covenant relationship. And there was something that just struck me. And, you know, I was a young kid at 20 years old. And I said, I said hold on. I said, um, I'm not in covenant with you. <laughs> I said, I don't know you. And you don't know me. And covenant means something very, very important to me. Covenant means that I'm going to spend my money on you. Covenant means I'm going to wake up at 3 a.m. and take you to the airport if we need to. Covenant means that, you know, if everything is lost, that I'm going to be there for you and you're going to be there for me. So let's, let's pay attention to our language here. Friendships take work. They take work. And they take time. And they take money, if we're going to be honest. Right? And they're not convenient. Right? A true, deep, meaningful covenant 
friendship takes sacrifice and it takes mutual commitment. They don't happen by accident and they don't happen by coincidence. Like, so when you're young, like my children at seven years old, everybody's their friend, right? My son Israel knows no stranger. You know, in fact, the past couple of weeks, we signed up all of our boys in these YMCA sports camps. And at the end of the week, you know, Kenya's like, man, that was amazing. I played baseball, learned some skills. Let's, let's go. Kingston's like, that was awesome. I threw the winning touchdown. Israel is crying. And I'm thinking, oh, man, is he like, you know, is he sad that he's not going to be developed? And he's like, no, no. He's all like, dad, I miss all my friends. No, don't do that. They're not his friends. You're missing the whole point. <laughs> I was like, son, son, like, you played sharks and minnows together. And like, and like you ran around in circles for, for two hours a day for five days. I know, but I miss my friends. He does this at the end of every school year, kindergarten, pre-K. It's I miss my friends. And just a couple of weeks ago, we, we took him to a park and he's like, I got I to gotta go see all my friends. I'm like, you met them once, son, right? And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's innocent. It's pure. But as we get older, like you meet someone once and they're not your friend, right? Friendship is a sacred space. Now, let me also say this about friendship. Friendships um, require mutuality. So the, the two words here and the idea of cultivating your friends are intentionality and mutuality. And if you find that you're always doing the pursuing, if you find that you're, you're always the one giving, that you're always the one being thoughtful, that you're always the one remembering the birthday, that you're always the one sending the text message, that you're always the one reaching out and saying, oh man, you're sick, how can I, how can I bring a meal over to you? And none of that is reciprocated. There might be a hard conversation that is in the future of that potential friendship, right? Let's take a look right here at Proverbs chapter 27, verse five and six. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. And here's the verse that I just cannot get out of my spirit as I thought about this message. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. I think that we have not stepped over into friendship until you have been wounded by a friend. Now, let me define wounded. Colin's face is like, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> right? There's two kinds of wounds. There's a wounding that leads to death. There's a wounding that leads to life. Right? When my brother, when my wife, when my friend, when my staff member pulls me aside and says, Jay, there might be a blind spot in your life that you're not aware of. And it's hurting us, it's hurting me, and it's going to hurt you. That's going to hurt me, okay? It's going to be a blow to my ego. It's going to be a blow to my pride. I'm going to be hurt that I hurt you. But that is a wounding that leads to life if I respond the right way, right? So I'm not talking about uh, a wounding that leads to death, a wounding that comes out of bitterness or malice or betrayal. I'm talking about the wounding that comes out of a sincere love for that other person, and out of a desire for that person to be everything that God wants that person to be. And it's a wounding that comes out of a hope for the relationship to be as strong as it can be. Take a look at this. There are some translations that, that hit this particular verse that are outstanding. Listen to this. This is the New Living Translation. Wounds from a sincere friend are better 
than many kisses from an enemy. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Look at this one. You can trust a friend who corrects you, but kisses from an enemy are nothing but lies. You can trust a friend who corrects you, right? There, there comes a point in the development of a good, meaningful, sincere friendship where hard, honest, hurtful, meaningful, scary conversations need to happen, particularly around the idea of expectations, particularly around the idea of assumptions. These are things that we have to be willing to have. In fact, I would say that most friendships are broken because they're unwilling to have or to respond well to the hard conversations, okay? Because inevitably, this, and guys, listen, this is marriage relationships. We see this in marriage all the time. When something's going on that's bugging you, bothering you, offending you, hurting you, and you just stuff it, you avoid it, you ignore it, I'll take care of this, I'm good. I'll, if you never have that hard conversation, after first doing the hard work in yourself with God to forgive and to repent and to take inventory of your own life, if you don't have that hard conversation and it keeps coming up inside of you, I guarantee you that relationship is doomed for, for ending. Take a look at this verse right here, Proverbs chapter 16 verse 28, Proverbs 16, verse 28. So we're talking about intentionality and we're talking about mutuality. This says that a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. Now let me, let me tie a couple of ideas here. So the previous verse, we just said that the wounds from a friend, that when a friend is willing to in grace and love correct you or to or to get clarity on something. Like this is confusing me or the story I'm telling myself, but is this right? Is this true? Man, you didn't invite me to that birthday party. I felt really hurt about this. And the story I'm telling myself is, is this right? You have to have those conversations. If you don't, here's what typically happens. It turns into gossip. Come on, talk to me, right? Right, because when you don't have an honest conversation with someone, you usually end up talking about someone. And, and, and my strong appeal for the sake of the unity of the church and, and the longevity of your families and the strength of your marriages and the beauty of your friendships, my strong appeal to you is this today. Don't talk about if you have not talked with. In fact, don't talk about period, right? Unless it's with a spiritual director or a counselor, right? Talk with someone. I would say, and I don't want to throw out like blind percentages here, but I would just say the majority of the time, we either didn't get the whole story, we misinterpreted something, or we told ourselves a lie that the enemy gave to us that wasn't true about the person or about the friendship. A gossip separates close friends. Okay, so finally, the last C right here is we got to choose, choose your friend, okay? But you got to classify that friendship. Then you got to cultivate that. You got to give the work, the time, the energy, the intentionality. And finally, you've got to cover your friends. Okay, and here's what I mean by this. Let's take a look at Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9. Proverbs 17, verse 9 says, Whoever would foster love covers an offense. Like, guys, memorize that. I'm telling you, meditate on that. Think deeply about that. Whoever would foster love chooses to cover offenses. But whoever repeats the matter, 
separates close friends. Listen to the CEV. You will keep your friends if you forgive them. I just, that is just brilliant simplicity. Like, here's the truth, okay? Like, I'm just going to tell you, I'm your friend. I'm going to tell you the truth today. The truth of the matter is this. The longer you live in proximity and in deep, meaningful relationship with any human being, children to parents, parents to children, coworkers, neighbors, if the longer you're in close proximity in relationship, you will get hurt. You'll get disappointed. Offenses will come. It is inevitable in a broken, fallen world full of broken, fallen people. And if you want long-standing relationships, you got to become great at forgiving. You got to be great. You got to be. You got to be willing to say, "God, where am I offended? What happened? Identify it. Don't skirt it. Don't ignore it. Don't avoid it. Name it, and then bring it out to the Lord. God, give me grace to forgive this. Wrestle with the emotions that were created inside of you. Identify any judgments that were stirred up inside of you towards that person, towards that group of people, towards the situation, towards the relationship, and then deal swiftly with it, friends. Swiftly." And thoroughly with this, look at this verse, keep this up here. Whoever would foster love covers an offense, okay? Look at the latter part of this verse in the CEV. You will keep your friends if you forgive them, but you will lose your friends if you keep talking about what they did wrong. And that right there is the dagger in J. Duncan's soul. Boy, that hit me. You will lose your friends if all you do is sit around and talk about what they do wrong. Let's go to the table on that one, shall we? Come on, friends, let's stand to our feet. Man, I want you guys to have great friendships because you guys are great people. I want people to know who you are. I want people to drink deep of your friendship and enjoy your company and receive deeply from the well of your life. You know, as we, as we turn our hearts now to the table, I mentioned this earlier, but let me just read this here in John chapter 15, verse 12. Jesus says this. He says, my command is this. This is Jesus talking to now his friends. He says, love each other in the same way that I have loved you. Love each other. Well, how did you love us, Jesus? The next verse, he says it right here in 13. Greater love has no one than this. No one. To lay down one's life for one's friends. So I I think, and I want to propose this, that the wisdom of the scriptures point us to Jesus. And the thing that definitively sets apart Christian friendship is it's characterized by self-sacrificing love. When is the last time you've been inconvenienced, you've chosen sacrifice, You've gone out of your way, you've forgiven, you've you've hurt with, you've entered into the yoke of the pain of another friend. When's the last time you've done that? Because that is the Jesus invitation into the kind of friendships that he wants to build. And this is what he modeled for us. When he took bread and he took the cup and he says, guys, I'm not gonna just talk a good game. You're my friends, and I'm going to lay down my life so that your life can be better.
friends, why don't we come and let us receive the bread and the cup, the body and the blood of Jesus, and we will all receive as a family together. You can exit on the left, come on up here and receive, and then come back to your seat on the right. I blew by this so quickly. I want to make sure that there's something that's very clear. In the beginning of the service, we talked about the life of God, how, how God creates and produces life. And I want you to know today that, that God is inviting every single one of you in and through Jesus. He's inviting you into friendship with himself. And he's inviting you into the kind of friendship that produces life in and through your life. You see that? Like, so what we're not talking about kind of just re- religious ritual here when we come together. Like the greatest invitation and the greatest appeal that I can make to you today, and we saw this today in baptism, these, these three girls are saying, I, I want to enter into friendship with the living God. And a kind of friendship where God has the permission and the freedom to say hard things to us and give us grace to respond, that brings to life. Friend, God has chosen you. He wants to be with you. He wants to know you. He wants you to know him. He wants to share intentionality and mutuality with you. He wants to cover your mistakes. He wants to promote love. He wants you to be who he's created and designed you to be. So today, I think as we come to the bread and the cup, I think our greatest response is, God, I say yes to your invitation of friendship. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he looked at his disciples who are now become his friends, and he says, friends, this is my body. And all that it is and all that it represents, I choose to lay down in holy sacrifice in order for your life to be all that God has created it to be. Take and eat. Friends, let us receive the body of Christ. Holy Spirit, let it be and let it do all that it's designed to do in us today. Mess with us, stir us, provoke us, speak to us, God. Unsettle us by your spirit. And then he took the cup and he said, friends, this is the cup of the new covenant. We don't interact and we don't relate by law, by legalism, by obligation, or by duty. We are bound together by love. We're in this situation by love, not out of some contractual obligation, right? And he says, friends, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. 
Your sins have been forgiven. Your offenses against God have been covered. Enter into friendship with the living God. Let us receive the cup in the name of Jesus. Yes, God. Yeah, guys, we just open hands. Can we just say yes to the Lord? Yes, God. Thank you for your invitation of friendship. Thank you for the way that you modeled what a godly, holy friendship is. Thank you for inviting us into friendship with you, with the living God, by the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus and by the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit, God, help us to be good friends of God and good friends with our brothers and sisters and even friends with the world. God, to enter into friendship with those that don't know you and a heart and a desire to bring them to the life of God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Jonathan, let's thank the Lord together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Brothers and sisters, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord surround you. May the Lord be near to you. May the Lord draw you near to him. May the Lord lift up his beautiful shining face upon you and let the favor of God rain down on your life. May you leave this house knowing that you are the beloved of the Lord, sons and daughters made in his image, created to do good works. And may you walk out of this house free of guilt and shame, free of offense, And may you walk into the world full of the life and the peace and the power of God and the Holy Spirit. I pray that surprises overtake you this week. I pray that friendships be reconciled and reestablished and new ones be found. And I pray that in all things that you would flourish as a sign and a wonder of the kingdom of God that has come. And I say this today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you guys.